Welcome to another edition of Top Lines and Tales, the nation's favourite livestock podcast. And uh, as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Harborough, for their continued support. So this week on Top Lines and Tales, we have a farmer, a cattle breeder, an ex-banker, a director, a trustee to numerous organisations, a Nuffield scholar, and been awarded an OBE for his work there. John Henning, welcome to Top Lines and Tales. Uh, hello, Andy. Uh, thank you very much for uh, the opportunity to chat to you on Top Lines and Tales. And, and jo- John, I'm right in thinking you grew up on a dairy farm originally, uh, County Armagh, would I say, Northern Ireland. Yes, um, grew up on a dairy farm um, just outside Market Hill in County Armagh and, and had a, a quite an interest in um, black and white cattle and, and indeed uh, in the early part of my career uh, an awful lot of that interest was through the well, what was the British Frisian Cattle Society and then the Holstein Frisians before it ultimately became the um, the, the Holstein breed. Um, so I have I've lots of involvement there and and probably one of my claims to fame uh, is that probably the first pedigree black and white that we bought was uh, was bought uh, due to my interest, uh, and that herd continues with my with my brother on the uh, on the home farm. Okay. Um, and I suppose dairy cattle is not the easiest uh, to uh, operate on a part time basis, so therefore um, beef cattle uh, was made that a wee bit easier. Although I do still pursue my um, dairy cattle interests through um, the ownership interest in a number of uh, sort of top end cattle with one of our uh, uh, better uh, cattle breeders here, uh, and I also have quite a an, quite a complete collection of um, Holstein Frisian uh, journals right from 1919, right. and indeed a complete set of um, uh, Holstein Frisian herd books from uh, 1909. Uh, so. They, they take up quite a bit of space in my study, but they're an awful lot easier looked after than the cattle. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, obviously a man with a, it's a foot in both camps, the dairy and the beef, and we'll go on to your to your herd and, and what you've done in in a short while. But as you said, a depth of history yeah, behind you in, in, in there that gives you, we learn from the past all the time, don't we? So I think to, to have that history and to refer back to that history is something that we can all, uh, we should all be doing, shouldn't we? Yeah, I think it was was it Coolridge said once, if men could learn from history, what lessons it might teach us. Mm-hmm. And and we'll go on to your own herd in a minute. But I should, before that, I want to mention uh, your father-in-law, ex-father-in-law now, um, Bob Campbell. Bob and Lawrence, of course, ran the Drumlister uh, Angus herd there in Northern Ireland. Bob, a very well-respected man. A man had my respect anyway, and a lot of respect of a, a lot of breeders and, and, a, and a real gentleman, wasn't he? Yeah, yes, indeed. Um, Bob and Florence um, established the Drumlister herd oh, quite a number of um, years ago and were uh, very active in the um, show scene in Northern Ireland for um, oh, quite a number of years, um, certainly uh, long before uh, I uh, came on the scene in terms of the uh, Campbell's radar. Um, and uh, I think probably still hold the record for the most number of um, Royal Ulster Championships, I think was at nine in total, um, with the herd dispersed in 2001, just after the um, foot and uh, mouth outbreak, um, and probably wasn't the ideal time to, um, to, to to sell, but it still was a good sale. Yeah, and, and some of those animals, of course, found their way into to your nucleus herd. I think you've been breeding before then, but some of those animals found their way into your drum corn herd and uh, would be the backbone of your herd, I guess. 
Uh, yeah, pretty much the, the, the backbone of the herd, Andy, but actually established the herd because in 1992, when Anne and I got married, um, Bob gave us a, a heifer, um, Elkara of from Lister, as a, as a wedding present. And that would probably account for a quarter to a third of the herd with us today. Um, she was a gift, but she was no slouch in terms of uh, being a gift. We um, we showed her first at the Royal Ulster Show in 1993 as a yearling. And we showed her at the Royal Ulster Show in 2007 as a 15-year-old. And um, she only missed one year in, in between, and that was because... She was entered and um, there was a particular problem when we were sort of, we, we scaled back our numbers and we only took two yearlings that year. Um, and in that time, I think, was it four firsts, seven seconds, a third and a sixth? And she was reserve champion as well in um, 2002. Well, I can I can add a little bit to that because I actually, believe it or not, I actually showed that cow, um, I, I took her out in one of the classes in 19... 94, I think, uh, 93 maybe, I've got a photograph of me there when Alistair Wiley was bringing out the cattle there for, for Bob and for your team there. And uh, yeah. I've got a photograph of me with her holding her at Balmoral Show and tremendous heifer. And as I said, she goes down, as you'll know, I've written a bit on the history of the Aberdeen Angus and she does get a name into the into the record books as being one, okay. of, the, one of the most yeah. showed cows sort of go repeatedly going back to the to the show. And as you said, only only missing it once there and a superb animal and, yeah. a, and a great basis for, for your drum corn herd there so tell us a little bit more then about about your own herd you're based on on two or three families i guess uh, yeah i suppose the other thing that i should really add about her as well is that she probably should have had quite a few more first prizes prize winners because we actually uh, beat her into second place on at least three occasions with another animal of our own so uh, if we'd left them at home you know, the, the record would have been even uh, better um she was uh she was from an eastfield um cow uh, that traced back to through Taisha, Blogburn and Ballandalloc, right back to the original uh, Erica 843. Um, and another part of the herd then is, as I say, really uh, four families um, is the Argesas, which is, I suppose, an Erica as well, but it's a different branch of the family and, and we've kept them separate. All of the uh, descendants from Alcara have been named with uh, a name starting in EL, you know, um, and then the Argesas, we kept that, just kept that name as Argesa. Uh, she came from Blelec, uh, a Royal Added Value uh, Foundation uh, female, going back through Harveston and uh, right back again to um, Ericas. I think there was about eight generations at Harveston, yeah. you know, which would be a very famous herd in, in the background. An interesting story to the background of, of, of Agessa. We actually bought another Agessa and she turned out as a quite a young heifer in calf. And um, I remember having a conversation uh, at the time with, with Jack Young, the late Jack Young. And, you know, Jack's recommendation was, you know, well, you know, she should she should go back. Uh, and in fairness, I don't think it necessarily was the... Um, was was a fault of Blelick. She could probably have been covered at um, Perth, uh, but she went back anyway, and um, we we got another one in in place of her that didn't make a, ma a massive impact. And a couple of years later, there was a daughter of the one that went back 
for sale in Perth and uh, I wasn't there, but Anne was across and she said, this is a nice heifer. And I said, well, because we've had the, we had the mother, we would maybe try and uh, uh, buy her. But she ended up um, reserve female champion and went at, I think, five and a half thousand to Shadwell, right, okay. uh, which was, was out of my league. Uh, but the following year, a full sister um, was for sale in a, in a sort of a draft of Blalex in Perth, and we many we managed to get her for very humble money, um, and she has left a lot of uh, really good um, females with us. We've won a few interbreed championships with the sons of her, and that would be a you would be quite a a, a strong family. And okay. I probably get a lot of fun out of you. Know, we don't buy that many uh, now, um, but when we would have bought some, I, I try to buy uh, value and make something off it rather than. Uh, spend a lot of money and, and, and have the hazard you know, of that not going uh, well for us. So that's another branch of the, the Erica family. Uh, we bought another female from Bo Campbell, from Lister Willow. She was an imported cow. She was registered in the Irish Angus Society uh, herd book. And she was actually from uh, a series of um, Vera's. Uh, which um, I suppose Bob assumed was going back to the uh, Vine family. Uh, and in fact, he he, meant, he registered when he was um, registering descendants from that family in the uh, Angus Society in, in Perth. Uh, they were all these and, and probably one of the... The, the famous cows in, in that line was was Virginia, but when we actually bought the Drumlister Willow, uh, I researched her pedigree in the herd book, and we actually discovered that there'd been a mistake between um, families when she was brought in from the uh, Angus Society in Southern Ireland, and she was actually a Lady Ida right. uh, rather than a, a, a vine, so uh, that was the um, Lady... Um, Ida family, uh, which I think was quite um, annoying for Bob at the time because he had always wanted a Lady Ida but never managed to have one. But he actually had one and, 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 and we discovered it after we bought her. And then the final family will, would be the the Cherry Blossoms, which go back through uh, Rashi Hall and Peebles, I think seven generations of Peebles to the uh, uh, Craigo second of Stricken way back Um we acquired one of those from Bob as well, but she had clover breeding. It was a heifer that he had bought uh, at uh, Brian Derrick's in Somerset. And that family, I think we had two or three um, reserve champions at uh, the Royal Ulster Balmore show uh, with that family, but it it died out on us um, with sort of a set of twins that didn't breed and um, whatnot. Um, and then we lost the original cow probably before her time. So that family died out. So we've actually tried to reestablish that. I've, uh, we bought a, a cow and a calf recently at a sale um, in Exeter okay. um, online. Um, and we've, we've had a couple of um, heifer calves uh, from uh, the two of them uh, so far. So we're hoping to get that cherry blossoms uh, back going game. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty small family numerically in the breed and it'd be good to 
course. Uh, we have those going again. Was developed very much, of course. You mentioned Peebles by Bob Crockett there, of course, uh, with right, cherry yeah. blossoms, and he's the one that sort of brought that um, female family back to the fore, wasn't he? As you said, it's quite a not the most numerical, but some some great great cattle in that yeah. line, certainly. And yeah, let's very much. let's go on to the show side of it. You've, as Bob showed everywhere and judged everywhere, you've done the same, and you've been at breed championships in most of the shows, I suppose, in Northern Ireland, and as you mentioned, of course. Uh, very much involved in, or very much um, enjoying your good run at uh, Balmoral. Yes, well, with with, with this twenty twenty four, if we manage to get to the show this year, that will be our thirtieth consecutive uh, Balmoral show. Right. And I think in that time we have five or six reserve championships. We've never managed to go to the top. We've been we've been close, but we've never managed to go to the to to, to the top there. Um, and we've been. Exhibited more than one occasion at, at, at all of the summer shows in Northern Ireland. We've won all the summer shows in Northern Ireland and we've picked up about four or five interbreed championships as well uh, during the period from sort of 93 when we first showed right through to about 2016 17. Uh, we don't really do that many of the uh, uh, summer shows now. We Took a couple of animals to um, Lurgan show um, last year, uh, which is a county show for uh, the county of Armagh. And um, the main reason for taking those was that uh, an early show in June fits into our system. We're, we haven't started breeding, and I also chair the cattle committee there, so uh, we, we, we give them a, a wee bit of support and had the champion and reserve. We've also shown at the All Ireland on a number of occasions. Uh, when that has been held in Northern Ireland, and we also exhibited at the Old Ireland at Virginia in uh, Southern Ireland when we were reserve in class with our um, with the bull dr uh, drumcorn egghead to the eventual champion, one of the the many bulls that um, Albert de Cogan from uh, Magilly in, in in County Cork uh, exhibited. So it was it was good to get. Uh, close to, um, uh, to, to the eventual All-Ireland champion. He's a man to get by, isn't he, Albert? And you mentioned the Balmoral there, the fact that you have been bridesmaid, if you like, on those all that many occasions. That keeps you coming back, doesn't it? I think the day that you win it, you'll probably hang your boots up, will you? Um, it's it's very possible at this stage in life, Andy. Um, yes, that, that is, a, is, a, is a very real uh, possibility. I suppose we focus now on showing at the Royal Ulster Show and try and bring out a, a fairly big team for the size of our herd, maybe six to eight uh, cattle, maybe with calves uh, over the years. And it wouldn't have been possible to have done that without the help of uh, an awful lot of people. Um, and it's always difficult to name individuals, but I suppose uh, people like Jeremy Painter, uh, Andrew Hamill, John Moffat and David Connolly uh, have over the last 25, 30 years uh, played a big part and helping us to, to, br to bring out those cattle and present them in front of the public as um, representatives of the, the drum corn herd. And in fact, one of the best successes that we've had uh, showing was with a bull that we actually bought from uh, Bob uh, Campbell in about 1999, um, Balamana Estefan. He was a bull that um, Bob bought at the Perth sales in October 1996. Uh, I wasn't actually at that um, 
event because I was actually on my Duffield scholarship in uh, in, in Canada at the time. Um, he, he he was bred on the Isle of Man, came by King Second of Delmore from a Glenusk dam that had gone back to the Ashley family, and he was re- junior in reserve, supreme, uh, October '96 in in Perth, okay. and we bought him in '99 from Bob, uh-huh. and. We took him to the Royal Ulster and he was a reserve male. We took him to the Royal Highland um, a month and a half later and he was a male in reserve supreme, uh, which was Excellent. quite an achievement for a relatively small herd. Uh, yeah. We were yeah, very, much. A very, very proud day. Yeah, taking, very proud day. Taking the calls back to Newcastle there and you mentioned um, Ashley, of course, George Cormack, I think, brought the cattle out for Balamanor, didn't he, on the Isle of Man? So George Cormack's always a man that's a, mm-hmm. a name that yes. crops up everywhere. On that, and just talk about the... Talk about your herd now. Sort of what sort of what numbers are you, are you running there? I know you're a busy man doing a lot of things. What numbers of, of cows do you run at home? We had about fourteen went to the bull um, last year, um, and we, we will be we'll, we start calving. I think on the sixth of April. Uh, very much focused now, Andy. On um, I think I'll probably get more of a buzz now from you know the the commercial side rather than just the showing. You know, trying to. And get all your heifers calved at two-year-old calving in a sort of a calving season less than than um, than, than two months. Um, we concentrate very highly on uh, maintaining the health status. You know, uh, all the fields are are double fenced, apart from those two that we uh, imported from England um, a couple of years ago. Um, it's very much a closed herd. Um, our bulls. Um, which are sold for breeding, uh, all sold for breeding. Uh, we graze those during the summer. Um, we sell them from home. Um, so there's, yeah, but we, we, we get a lot of buzzes out of that. There's obviously a lot of um, Balamana Estefan breeding on, on the bull side in, in the herd, and, and we still use him occasionally. Um, a couple of other bulls that have done particularly well for us have been um, AI Bulls, Blelic Prince, J165 and Nightingale Defiance Sun, uh, Blelic Duke, J262, uh, we have a few of those uh, and obviously they sold very well at some of the, uh, the dispersal sales uh, and Wheaton Panther, uh, an, an ET Sun, uh, has done a reasonably good job for us. Uh, the one the one impact that, that has really been beneficial in the herd, both on the female side for us and also on the male side, has been Blelick. That's um, a breeding, uh, that's a herd that has really nicked well with us. And in, and the majority of the Blelicks that we have used have been um, uh, very successful. Uh, and after using um, Balaman Estefan and then a homebred bull, Drumcorn, Egghead, uh, we... Went to AI. We were with AI quite a number of seasons with reasonable um, success. In 2021, we bought uh, an 80 son of Nether Allen, Peter Pershore, uh, out of a Roburn Ellen Erica, uh, female G669. Um, uh, he was bred at the McMorty's of uh, Hereford fame, Solitude Elite V777. And he's now in his third season with us. We'll, we will have his third crop uh, this year. We've shown him as well, and he has been uh, twice um, first prize in the senior bull class at the Royal Ulster Show. Twice. Um, so, yep. 
So he's he's going quite he's going quite well. We quite like his his females, and and we do try and mix it up a wee bit from a from the perspective of uh, performance recording using a wee bit of AI as well uh, to help on the um, comparison front, but also uh, to maybe give us uh, a bull that we can use the following season on on heifers uh, where they don't hold to AI and the the recent. Um, Bulls that we've used in AI uh, last year and the year before were O'Neill's Black Bartolier and we're, we have, I think, seven in calf this year to um, uh, Genus ABS Bull QHF West Coast uh, by EXAR Denver. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how they perform, certainly on the basis of uh, figures. Um, you know, they're, 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 they are quite high um, and uh, it's, it's trying to get that balance of Type and, and animals that will will, will perform as well. Sure. I hear the word the letters AI quite a lot, but I don't hear the letters ET. So I take it you're not got an embryo flushing program on a small herd. That very often is the case. No, so people no, we, we haven't we haven't um, we haven't used a, a ET at all. Um, it, it's probably something that I have considered, but we've never really. Uh, I think it would just it just complicates our system probably too much. Okay. There we go. And let's just move away from the cattle a little bit. I mentioned at the top of the show that uh, uh, various posts and things that you hold, but uh, professionally you went into the banking industry pretty much from the get-go, did you? You were, you were you're a banker. Yes, I, I, w- I was a career banker. Um, started in um, my banking career in 1978, just in, in, in branch banking, but I did, I was fortunate enough to quickly get to a uh, a rural branch in, in, in County Fermanagh and you know, was used quite a bit by the, the manager in those days when he was dealing with uh, with, with his farming uh, customers as well uh, and, and made a lot of um, good good friends in that part of the world in the, you know, in the farming industry. And in fact, uh, in a couple of weeks' time, I'm going to um, back down to, uh, to Enniskillen as the guest speaker at the Fermanagh Grassland Club's annual dinner when they celebrate their 60th anniversary, so that's nice to be, uh, you know, to be invited back. And after um, oh, about nine years in 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 branch banking, I specialised uh, in uh, the agricultural banking. I moved into the um, bank's agricultural department then, uh, under the tutelage of John Gabby, who will be known to many as a former president of the Aberdeen Angus Cattle Society and the British Simmental Cattle Society. Uh, and that was a good um, experience uh, working with, with John for quite a, a number of years until he retired. And really from then, uh, that was from 1987, uh, right through until I retired in 2016. I had been on the, the agricultural side of the bank as I was a <clears throat> agricultural manager in our um, department in, in head office uh, looking after uh, agriculture for quite a number of years. I had experience as a agricultural banking manager in County Down uh, for about nine years and then uh, appointed head of agriculture in 2007 for the whole bank and then uh, head of agricultural relations in 2011 um, then in retired in December 16th. We're talking the bank, this was Northern Bank, yes? Now, Northern Bank originally, um, which at that stage uh, when I joined was owned by um, Midland Bank and was part of the same group as Clydesdale Bank. And then um, 
I think it was around 1987, uh, the bank was sold to National Australia Bank. And there's a, a vivid memory in the back of my mind somewhere being at the uh, Midland Bank Pavilion at the Royal Show in, in Bankers Row. And the news had been announced that uh, Northern Bank had been sold and a number of our customers arrived at the front door singing Waltzing Matilda. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not quite sure whether uh, everyone appreciated their, uh, their their sense of humor, but uh, it, was, it was certainly it was, it was a good memory. And then after I think about 20 odd years, um, the bank was sold again to, to Danske Bank. So it's, it's now renamed as... Um, as, as, as Danske Bank. And, and obviously a small bank going under a bigger umbrella and a bigger umbrella, you're climbing with that. Is there get some sort of disparate between the, the top end and the, and the guys on the ground? Certainly a lot of people listening to this will go, you know, back in the day we'd walk into a bank and sit and have a chat with your bank manager and sort of a lot of those sort of disappear, that level disappeared a little bit. Was that an issue when these banks were being swallowed up by bigger banks? Well, it's always a, it's always a challenge. Um, and I suppose that was why in um, 1998 we um, took a lot of the relationships between our uh, farming customers and their bank uh, out of the branch and put it in the hands of agricultural banking managers who only dealt with farmers Um, and there were lots of of positives with that and I can certainly um, put my hand in my heart and say that in those days that was certainly very successful having done the job myself for um, you know, a number of years and, and actually had the opportunity almost to, given my time in our head office and, our, and my time at the front line uh, managing relationships before then going into sort of more of a, a policy um, overhead sort of um, part of um, the, the, the bank. Um, it was actually really interesting to see several generations you of of farmers um, and and you, you were dealing with originally what became grandfathers, fathers, and and then sons and daughters. Um, so it was good to see that 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 progression and and certainly a lot of the um, <clears throat> people that I that I dealt with as clients of of the bank are personal friends and I, and I still see many of them on a you know, on a regular basis. And you've seen an evolution during that time, obviously of the you know the, the bank's role at one time. I suppose, yeah, going back in my father's day, they'd go to the bank to borrow a load of money to go and buy some cattle and then sell them on again. I think the sort of the overdraft levels would have, would have gone up and then come back down again. Has there been a pattern, really, of how bank, bank lending has been within the, the banking industry? Is it, is it Have you seen a, a natural plan change? Yeah, the, the, the certainly it, it did develop and change you know, over those years. Um, there certainly would be more probably structure to lending now. Um, and I suppose as data becomes increasingly important, um, that ability to eyeball people and uh, work out quickly um, who's serious and who's doing a good job. Uh, as I often said, when you drive onto someone's farm for the first time, by the time you park your car in the yard, you've already formed a bit of an opinion as to how good the farm is. Say nothing on that, but you're absolutely right. That is, uh, it, 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 some of that can be a front, but you're right. It's certainly a good, good start. And let's just move away from the banking a little bit. Obviously, in the role that you were in there, that gave you 
I suppose, ability and, and, and experience to sit in, in various other roles within the industry. And as I said, at the top of the show, being awarded an OBE for your, for your services, congratulations on that in 2019. Yeah. But um, non-executive directors, trustees roles, for, for well, tell us where you have been and, 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 and yeah, what got you to that level. Okay. Uh, th thank you, Andy. There was no one more surprised than, than I was when I um, opened the letter advising of uh, my being considered for a uh, such such an honour. It was a, a great um, recognition of, of the contribution that I had tried to make, uh, and also I think a, um, a recognition as well of the the help um, and support that I'd got from you know, colleagues and family, colleagues and friends over the years, and, and particularly I think uh, the help and support that I've had from Anne during that time as as, as well. Um, uh, keeping things going while I was sort of away working and, and, and whatnot. Um, prior to actually um, leaving the bank, I had, uh, had um, got involved in the, the Royal Australia Colour Society. Uh, and then just before I retired, I, I was uh, asked to become a non-executive director of the Centre for Innovation, Excellence in Livestock, which is based in York and one of the government's uh, agri-tech companies. And um, I also chair their audit risk and remuneration committee. A lot of the roles that I have sort of got and taken on over the years, uh, it, it's been quite interesting, you know, when you are approached to consider something, you know, well, what's the commitment? Well, it's X number of meetings a year and you get to your second meeting and you're the finance background um, would you consider the audit risk and remuneration committee would you consider the um, um, asset quality uh, committee so uh, on the finance side you, you very quickly double up in terms of the time commitment what a job John um, ask a busy person they say don't they so I can see where that's coming well that's right yes yeah and I suppose um the secret in a, in a lot of these rules it's it's all about it's all about governance and asking the uh, the questions that need to be asked, and when you consider some of the um, the big issues in um, the world, you know, we in, certainly in in the UK in terms of uh, governance and so on, you just wonder, well, you know, who was actually um, overseeing this? Uh, you know, it's it's not just a question of turning up at meetings and and nodding everything through. You you're actually there to ask the difficult questions, and you're actually there to challenge the executive and so on. So. Uh, so CL has been uh, quite interesting. I mean, obviously, over the last number of years, CL has invested well in excess of 30 million in research facilities in the livestock sector um, across the UK. And, and that has obviously um, had match funding, so there's significant uh, investment uh, there. Um, I'm also a trustee, have been since 2018 of um, Lantra and chair their audit quality committee and also chair the uh, advisory council for Lantra in, in, in Northern Ireland when we you know, use our um, connections and trainers and providers to um, input to um, the overall work that, um, that, that Lantra does. Just explain just briefly to our listener there, what, 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 what does Lantra do? What does Lantra stand for? Lantra is the, the land-based uh, training organisation uh, for um, agriculture, horticulture, forestry, 
um, highways provides training and, and so on based at Stoneley. Um, one of the positives of the uh, uh, going to, to board meetings um, at uh, Stoneley is uh, bring back memories of the, 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 the good old days of the of, of the show and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's always interesting to go back there. Bit of a sad ghost town to go back to, unfortunately, and uh, there in Hangs a Tale, maybe that uh, that show and, and in its day. And you're also a, a fellow, I think, of the Royal Agricultural Society. Yes, uh, I've been involved in um, CARAS, the Council for Awards of Royal Agricultural Societies, and was appointed an associate oh, way, way back, um, and uh, a fellow um, uh, quite a number of years ago. And in 2010, I became the uh, Northern Ireland representative on CARAS, their moderators panel, which adjudicate on um, awarding associateships and fellowships uh, within the industry. And, and I still serve in that. And in fact, in 2021 to 23, I uh, was national chair uh, for for CARAS. Um, wasn't probably as... Uh, enjoyable um, a two-year term as it might have been because I missed a complete year of um, of shows uh, due to to COVID, uh, but I have managed to get to um, award presentations at um, the Royal Highland, um, the Royal Ulster, and the Royal Welsh shows, and also the English uh, panels award ceremonies in the in the House of Lords. And through Caras, I've had the opportunity to meet um, quite a number of uh, um, members of the of the royal uh, family, and indeed had uh, the opportunity to attend a reception at Buckingham Palace quite a number of years when fellowship was awarded to the late Duke of Edinburgh. And it's not many people that can say that they actually uh, went to Buckingham Palace to present something. Uh, it's usually to receive something. So <laughs> that was uh, that was certainly enjoyable, and, and it was a very uh, interesting uh, morning that we had with uh, uh, His Royal Highness. What an honour! And and do you do you get involved with with uh, our now King Charles? Because obviously, every man again very much with his ear to the ground in agriculture in various ways. And is, is that somebody that comes across your path as well? Yeah, very much. Um, have been fortunate to have to have met the the king, um, certainly when he was Prince of Wales on uh, quite a number of occasions uh, at um, Caras receptions at the the Royal Ulster Show, um, and at at a couple of other events, he actually did the um, investiture ceremony when I received my uh, OBE in February twenty nineteen. And I also had um, the honour, or both of us had the honour of attending a reception at Highgrove under the auspices of the um, Aberdeen Angus Cattle Society quite a number of years ago. And that was 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 an interesting chat. We managed to see the cattle um, and then he joined us after lunch and, and uh, spent a lot of time talking to to, every, to every, who, everyone who was there. And there was quite a an interesting uh, opening to the conversation. We were the last group, there was about six of us, um, and he had been delayed, but we were the very last and he was apologising for keeping us um, waiting. And um, his, his, his opening question was, um, you know, I suppose you're all in the middle of your show season. I think the, the visit took place in, in early July. 
um, and nobody really said anything. And, and eventually um, I said, uh, yes. And he said, um, uh, what was the last show you'd exhibited at? And we were just back from the Highland show, not the show that we'd done really well at with uh, Balaman Estevan, but a subsequent show when we crossed over the Irish Sea to the uh, to Englishton and we hadn't got on particularly well. So we, um, I said we'd been to the Highland show and he said, how did you get on? And um, I uh, turned it back to him and said, can I have a question on sport, please, sir? And he had, he had a great laugh, but I then explained that we hadn't got on particularly well. But uh, yes, very much an individual who uh, understands um, farming, um, understands the importance of the uh, the family farm and is very very passionate about the family farm and um, you know sustainability. Um, probably long before sustainability became a buzzword in the industry. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and and uh, of course, for those that don't know, because he's the patron of, of the Aberdeen Angus Society, took over from his granny in that role. And something else you're involved in there, John, is ag research. Uh, just tell us a bit about that. Yes, ag research is the um, it's a um, a body established in Northern Ireland by some of the farming organisations uh, about 22, 23 years ago. Um, we're actually probably heading for our 25th anniversary when government were initially looking at you know, withdrawing from near market research. Um, there was a, a an opportunity spotted for farmers actually to help themselves and beef and lamb slaughtered in Northern Ireland attracts a voluntary levy at slaughter, and all milk produced in Northern Ireland attracts a voluntary lever, levy, um, and that's collected through the processors. And that levy, which is a relatively small amount, um, goes into AgriSuch, which is a, a charity uh, with a, a board uh, of uh, trustees, and I joined the board in, uh, in 2015 as an independent trustee and served as chair of AgriSearch 2018 to 2020 and in fact just stepped down uh, because I'd completed three um, terms um, at in November uh, in 2023. So that's uh, created uh, a bit of a void in terms of um, workload. Um, AgriSearch Agri is, is, is based in Hillsborough and uses that voluntary levy uh, that we collect from uh, farmers in Northern Ireland to leverage other funds to undertake research. And some of the research that we have uh, been heavily involved in is obviously uh, grass check, where we've got a number of farmers who um, have weather stations on their farm who regularly um, check um, grass growth levels um, and uh, that information is used uh, on a weekly basis during the grazing season to predict grass, grass growth levels uh, and help uh, farmers manage their grassland better and that has been has been quite successful we've also got a, a network of um, beacon farms that are also used in, in research um, so yes ag research has been very much a a success story for the industry where it's uh, all about farmers helping themselves and we have a really I'm actually saying we uh, in that I'm not involved anymore uh, Ag Research has a, has a very good team there um, the organization has sort of recently seen a bit of a, a restructure which I think will be will be helpful 
uh, going forward. Okay. Um, it's and, and I suppose something that I will, will be a word that comes across your desk a hundred times a day, carbon. And you know, we could sit and talk about carbon all day. You'll know a lot more about you know, carbon sequestration than, than, and, and output than I do. But I have had Professor John Gilliland on, on this podcast in, in the not-too-distant past and uh, him saying about a sort of rather unique way that they're looking in Northern Ireland to try and um, establish the, the, the levels of carbon sequestration taken back in. Have you had any, any fingers into that one? Yes, um, Ag Research is, is, is also involved in um, Arc Zero, which is, is, is one of the um, projects that um, John Gilliland is, is, is involved in. Um, but the big plus for, for agriculture in Northern Ireland is the fact that we have, we're now in the second year of a soil nutrient health scheme, uh, which is basically um, a government scheme um, set up when our government was functioning um, much better than it is uh, today. Uh, and the project is to basically soil sample uh, every field in Northern Ireland. And that data will then be used to drive an awful lot of uh, improvements on um, sustainability and, 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 and carbon. Um, the first zone was, was sampled uh, last year uh, the scheme is currently uh, going through the second zone and obviously all of this is being done by GPS. So every sample that's taken in every field, uh, the, the scheme can tell um, where exactly that sample was, was, was taken from. And the data from that will be, um, I think, will be immense in terms of its value going forward. Certainly, John, explained that in some depth to us in the past. It sounds like some groundbreaking strides being made here that will be uh, guinea-pigged, I guess, with you guys to be repeated, I guess, in other parts of the world. So it's, it's a, that's a, a huge leap forward, I believe, in, in, uh, in us getting a true measurement of, of carbon net zero rather than just, just talking about outputs. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it, it, it sort of will help to make... Um, all of the talk about carbon and, and sequestration and so on uh, more believable because there's so many different ways of, of measuring things at the minute that it's not fully uh, understood, I think, by enough people. And perhaps by having that data, and in fact, part of the, the deal, for want of a better word, is that um, in return for uh, this massive investment by government in undertaking this um, soil nutrient health scheme. Um, the f individual farmers, uh, it's compulsory for them to complete training uh, to help them interpret the information that they've been given on their fields when that becomes available. And you would then like to think that as a result of that training and having the data around uh, N, P and K and so on uh, for their fields, they can better target um, Fertilizers, manures, the use of lime. Um, so yes, that it has to be a real benefit. And as, as I understand that, it's a world first. It's the first time that this has been done on a um, you know on a country level uh, basis anywhere in the world, which is you know is a real coup for agriculture in Northern Ireland, where grass-based livestock is such an important part of our of our industry. I mean, it's it, approaching eighty percent of our livestock is. Um, based on grass-based sectors. 
absolutely, absolutely. You know, and and and, and an honour to be involved in something like that. And let's just step back a little bit. Uh, time for moving on into the the cattle side of it, as well as holding all these posts and and, and breeding cattle. Because you get in, involved in the society and and in judging as well. You're you're out and about on the in the in the middle of the ring there quite a, quite a lot these days. Yes, it's um, it's it's always good to uh, get out and about to to, to shows and. Um, see what what's out there and to to meet people um i've had some sort of really really interesting uh judging judging assignments at um some of the shows in in northern ireland um cork um royal bath and west royal cornwall and, and probably my most interesting one was the uh, south of england show uh, about four or five just prior to covid um, I went there and judged the the Angus and and really enjoyed that. And we were planning on going back to the show a second day. And for anyone who's familiar with the South of England show, um, at that stage the breeds were judged on day one, and then all of the interbreed competitions were judged on day two. And um, I was quite friendly with one of the the dairy judges, and we were chatting to him beforehand. And we happened to mention that we were coming back the following day to um, spend some time at the show and mid-afternoon after judging the Angus and had a very nice lunch with our steward, um, I had a phone call uh, from a number that I didn't recognise. It turned out it was the show office to find out if, uh, because I was at the show another day, would I be willing to judge the um, Interbreed Dairy Championships because the um, Interbreed Dairy Judge had there been some problem at home and he was in Wales and couldn't, wasn't going to be able to get to the show. So my friend suggested that I uh, uh, could do this job and I was quite a challenge. Um, when you judge beef cattle, it's, I think, increasingly important for me anyway to give your reasons in front of the people around the ring. But in uh, dairy cattle judging, it's essential for you to do that. So that was a was was a new experience um, to uh, to judge an interbreed uh, dairy championship. So my experience from way back at various judging competitions and so on when I was much younger had obviously uh, came to the fore. And um, most of the exhibitors were very kind and said had done a reasonably good job. So that was good. I also had the opportunity in 1986 to undertake a Nuffield Farming Scholarship um, where I spent Ten weeks in Canada and the United States, um, looking at the future role and direction of agricultural shows, and have um, spent a lot of time uh, since that on the publication of my uh, report on uh, trying to improve uh, the agricultural shows in this part of the world, learning from uh, lots of the positives that they have in, in North America in terms of how to show and present cattle. And that trip allowed me to visit uh, events like uh, World Dairy Expo, some of the big state fairs in the US, uh, and also uh, Farm Fair International in Edmonton, Agribition in Regina, and the Royal Agricultural Winter Fair in Toronto. And that was a, a memorable experience uh, with lots of uh, learnings on how uh, shows can go forward uh, at that time in the UK. John, I noticed one of the reasons I haven't managed to get hold of you recently, you were down in London and you're down there at, uh, at the Farmers Club there. What's your involvement down there at Whitehall? Uh, yes, I was very fortunate uh, in an election at the 
latter part of last year to be elected onto the um, Farmers Club in um, London, serving on their uh, general committee. And over the last few days, I've been at the first uh, of of those meetings. Um, it's, uh, it's very much a focal point for agricultural agriculture and people in the farming industry in in London. And uh, I certainly enjoy uh, my trips um, across there. So it'll be good uh, to get to um, the Farmers Club and, and give something back in terms of um, helping the direction um, of the, the, the Farmers Club over the years ahead. We were able to tie in that general committee meeting uh, on Tuesday of this week with uh, uh, an evening lecture with the um, Secretary of State for DEFRA, uh, who came along and, and, and spoke to us. And it was a good opportunity to speak to um, the Secretary of State and, and a few of his uh, officials uh, at that. So, yeah, looking forward to that, um, serving on the General Committee there over the next um, three years. I like your comment that he came and spoke to you. I hope you spoke to him because sometimes these guys can speak without listening, but I'm sure if they have your ear there, that's uh, on your. Uh, fantastic experience that you've got. It can't. Uh, it certainly can do them a lot, a lot of good. And the farmers club I've been in. We used to, when I was on the Smithfield Council, we used to meet in the farmers club. A very opulent and lovely place, isn't it? And still open to farmers, I think, for, for anyone around about to, to to join. Is that right? Oh, pr- pretty much. Yes. Uh, there's. Uh, it's uh, certainly. Um, there's been actually quite a number of of new members have joined over the last um, six months. You know, once we get going again after after COVID, so yeah, it's, it's very much. Um, if anyone was interested and is, is spending time in in, in, in London, um, yeah, th- there is the opportunity to apply. It's it's um, re- really good value in terms of accommodation, uh, excellence, food, uh, pr- promoting uh, British uh, produce, um, and yes, it's um, a really. En- en- enjoyable experience so if anyone was interested in uh, becoming a member yeah that's still a possibility certainly yep. and i know you get you get as you said preferential rates to stay in london that actually is quite eye-wateringly important because i've done it myself but uh, yeah. brilliant and 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 one last thing here a man that's tiring me out with so many appointments that you've got going john and i'm sure you're rushing off to to more but uh, you are now the incoming president of the Royal Ulster Agricultural Society of Balmoral, and that's uh, starting this year. So this will be your first show as the big boss at that event, and another great honour and a feather in your cap. Yes, very much. Um, I've been involved in the um, Royal Ulster Agricultural Society for oh, four years, and I care to remember my first Balmoral show was as a, I think, six or seven-year-old youngster when I was taken along to the show by my father. Uh, already off school having suffered from uh, a bout of the mumps so that was was a was a was a massive treat and i, I haven't missed that many shows uh, certainly since i um started work and became a a member of the society's council in i think 1995 and currently serve on the cattle council show stewards sheep show dates show safety um, winter Fair Committees, and I've chaired the Winter Fair um, Committee, I think, on two five-year terms, and um, was appointed a vice president um, about five or six years ago, and then a deputy president two years ago. Um, the natural progression will be uh, coming uh, president at the annual general meeting in early March, 
Um, so the 2024-2025 uh, 20, shows will hopefully be under uh, my presidency and it's it's again nice to be able to uh, give something um, back to the uh, to the show that I've got a lot of uh, pleasure enjoyment and uh, uh, success from over a number of years um, and being a member of the RUS uh, gave me the opportunity as well to attend a couple of the Royal Agricultural Society of the Commonwealth tours uh, in Belfast one in Scotland a number of years ago, one in Darwin in Australia. Um, in fact, the RASC conference is back in uh, Scotland again this summer um, around the time of the, the Highland Show. So as president of the RUS, I'll be hoping to uh, attend part of the conference. Excellent. Well, if you're at the Highland Show, we'll certainly uh, we'll, we'll have a chat and maybe have time for a beer. But I'd like, also like to get to the Royal Ulster Show myself. I, I, I got tickets last year, then I ended up missing my plane, unfortunately, so I didn't get there. I haven't been for a few years, but uh, I'll come along and, this year, hopefully, and, and cheer you on. John, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, as I said, a man... At the top of the show, I mentioned an OBE and you saying you were surprised to get an OBE, but when I look through the, you know, the list of honours and the list of awards that you have had, uh, very well deserved and, and a, a great man. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and thank you so much for putting so much back into our great industry. Thank, thank you very much, Andy. It's very kind of you to say so. I've, I've got an awful lot more out of it, I think, than I've, than I've put in. And we certainly uh, would be delighted to see yourself or anyone else at the uh, Royal Ulster show this year at the uh, Icon Complex in Balmore Park near Lisburn. Uh, and if anyone needs the date, it's the 15th to the 18th of May. Okay, well, we'll try and be there. John, thank you very much for your time. That's been most eye-opening to all of us. Good. Thanks, Andy. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Top Lines and Tales, the nation's favourite livestock podcast. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Harbro, for their continued support with Top Lines and Tales. And uh, go and check out and see what Harbro can do for you with their fantastic range of nutrition and their excellent nutritional advice uh, that uh, that can, you can find in a whole load of places. You can find on the internet or get in touch with your local representative and uh, see how Harbro can help you in your livestock business. And... Of course, find them on the internet, and whilst you're there on the internet, don't forget to join our Top Lines and Tales Facebook community, where you'll find uh, loads of pictures to back up this episode and, and previous episodes as well, and uh, you can join in there with the fun there and have a chat to all the other listeners here on uh, Top Lines and Tales.